everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body, and dimension, Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro Power, Power Up. Hoof Power, Power Punch, Emergency Power. Visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine. So I am really happy to be here today with Terry Donspock. Regina did an episode with Terry a few weeks ago, and it had such a great response that we really wanted to continue the conversation with mental health expert, Terry Donspock. And this is for every discipline of horses. So we're going to talk about the, the anxiety of the exhibitor and how the trainer, the parent, the exhibitor affect their own psyche or mental preparedness as they go to the arena, whether it's jumping horses or pleasure horses or cutting horses. It's a mental game, Terry. Absolutely. And you can't leave out the crowd and the horse itself. The horse isn't in their comfortable spot either. So it goes both ways, horse giving it to rider, rider, and others giving it to the horse. So Terry, one of the things that you mentioned to me earlier really stuck with me, and it's about horses are so sensitive that they can feel a fly and flick a fly off with just a little shake. That's sensitive. So of course, a nervous exhibitor is 100 times that fly. Absolutely. And what, think about what do we use that assists in Special Olympics or any type of need for specialty equine therapy? It's because a horse is so attuned. And so we have to consider the fact that people in and of themselves, we have something called muscle memories. Okay. And when we have a stressful event, anxiety, anger, we, it comes out in a somaticized way. It comes out in a physical way. So for some people, when they get nervous, they get butterflies in their stomach. For other people, they start to shake or their voice starts to shake. For other folks, they lock their jaw, they tighten their hands. Well, how are you relaxed in the reins or in your saddle? How do you sit properly when you're all tensed up? None of that works. And a horse feels every bit of that. They do. And I think about that too. Like, I mean, you and I discuss this a little bit too. Like, I know some extremely talented professionals in my industry that they know their topic, they're well-prepared, and they get up in front of a customer and they sweat and they hesitate and it's it's clear in their in their speak that they are they're a nervous wreck. So Terry, how do we how do we prepare ourselves? Like what are the what are the triggers? What are the things that we can do to help us get through that? So there's there's 
for me, it's a three-step process. Okay. The first one is to recognize it. Do you even see it before it hits you like a ton of bricks? Do you understand what it is? And I think Some for people the young, put the two together. That, right. And so like for a younger exhibitor, they don't understand it yet. Mm-mm. They don't, they don't recognize that because they don't understand what they're going through. So that's a big piece of what we teach kids when a kid has an, you know, explosive behavior. What we teach them is what happened before that? I got mad. Oh, did you just see your jaw tighten up? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? And, and you start to put two and two together. So they recognize that when I start to clench my fists, when I start to stomp my foot, I'm getting angry. What could I do instead? So recognition is the first step. Right. And I think that parents and trainers don't necessarily know how to respond to that either. Right. So you've got a young child, their nerves are hitting them. They don't understand it. What does that trainer and that parent need to do to help that child understand what that feel, what that is that they're feeling? Well, the second step to me is acknowledge it. Okay. Okay. And let's go with, okay, you're nervous. Okay. You're angry. I talk to people every day. And the very first thing I say is give me a list of negative emotions and they can pop those off fast. Anger, irritated, frustrated, like they can do that super quick. And then give me some positive ones, happy, excited, you know. But the fact is that there is no emotion that's positive or negative. It's just an emotion. So if you think of an Olympic um, athlete and you go after and they get angry or they get frustrated, can it also be a significant motivator to do better? then it's not negative. Right. So we put a negative or a positive connotation to something that doesn't have it. Again, that's us having to do something with our thinking pattern. So a huge piece of what I do is take the words that you have or the beliefs that you have. And let's look at those. Are those fact? I'm going to do terrible. Really? It hasn't happened yet. So when the parent responds, I've just spent all this money. You better knock it off. You better be nice. You better be appreciative. It's probably not the right, the correct response. Truthfully, all you've done is made him go down that hole even farther. Right. And I mean, I wonder if you take like a surf bay at a horse show or any sporting events and how many kids and parents have that same conversation. And it's such a wrong path to go down for them all. Because the fact is everyone knows that this is not an inexpensive sport, but neither is travel league tennis or, you know, something else. It doesn't matter what it is. None of this is a inexpensive event. And if you took the amount of time and effort and energy that you put in, it's even more expensive in our, what you're giving of yourself. So it has to be something that you can still remain some joy and some positive excitement and feel good about your run. It goes back to again, that this is about you and your partner, your animal. All the other people are extraneous, whether you like it or not, because when you walk in that arena or you walk into wherever you're going, it's you and that partner. That's it. And everything else had an influence, no question, but the two of you have to be in sync. You have to be in that room with them, not with the crowd, not with hearing somebody else's voice in your head. That can't be what's taken over because you can't be with your partner. 
This is also fascinating. And I have so many thoughts going through my head about how I handled things as a kid and then how I handle them as an adult. So then you've got, so we've talked about one and two. Is it time to talk about number three? So once you've done your ability to recognize, you acknowledge that feelings are there, positive and negative, it doesn't matter. But then the preventative tactics are the things that you and whoever is a part of your team have to do way before you get to the event. Whether you're in dressage or you're at a cutting, a team roping, a pleasure class, a showmanship course, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to have all of your preventative things, the things that work for you way ahead of time. Because if you're trying something new, let's say at the world show, that's too late. You haven't had time to practice it. It is no longer, it is not a skill or a habit. And you want to take the things that we know is going to be a problem, anxiety, concern, seeing the crowd, whatever it is, and you want to be able to preventatively find the things that work for you. What works for you, Lynn, won't work for me. What works for me won't work for John Smith. It doesn't matter. We have to find the thing that works for that person. If you play and say while you're in your class, the words to your very favorite song, that's not going to work for me. Okay. But that doesn't mean it doesn't work for somebody else because it puts them back in their home in their comfort zone. You've got to find your thing. Absolutely. And you've got to have your thing when you get to the event. And so that trainer has to understand that this is how this competitor works, youth or amateur, and let them have their thing that keeps them calm. And one of the things that you and I talked about too was, and you talked about this with Gina in the last episode was you get to the show and suddenly you're wearing all these tight jeans and the chaps and the tight hat and all of this stuff is so different than how you practice. Do you recommend a dry run at home with all of that on? I recommend many dry runs. It needs to, you need to find your comfort zone in all the stuff. It's just as important as loping circles Mm -hmm. is to do a dry run. And maybe that run is at a local horse show or a jackpot or in a different setting than that world show, but Mm -hmm. to put it all on and wear it and get through a class. And, And do it with other people in your barn family. Mm-hmm. everybody has to get ready. You're competing against the people in your class. I don't care if one's 50 and one's 15. It doesn't matter. Oh, it, my God. And you, cutting, they're all ages. I mean, like in my cutting class, I mean, there's – so I ride in the 2,000 limited rider. So for riders that have never earned $2,000. And I've got youth. And then I've got, you know, middle-aged women like me. But let's take that for an example. How many times have you said to yourself, they're more agile, they're more flexible? All the time. I look at one of my competitors and I love her so much. Her name is Jake Lee. She has no fear. And I mean, she just goes out there every time and lays down a run. She has so much confidence. I'm like, I got to beat Jake Lee today. (laughs) But that's exactly the point. So the, so the 12 year old who says, Oh, I just bumped up to, or, you know, 13 to 18, whatever, you know, like all of a sudden you're going to say, I'm going against the girl, you know, the big girls. Okay, wait a minute. You're not going up against anyone but you and your partner from the last run you had. Right. Yes, I do believe that competition is great. It's a great learning tool. It's a great thing for people to strive for. But if all you're there is to win a buckle, you've missed the journey. Right. And when you do that, you also lose a tremendous amount of 
the tr- you know the word is mental health it is not mental not health <laughs> okay <laughs> so we've got to look at where's the health in this where's the positivity toward your life where's the things you get to carry into the next 10 years or the next 50 years right. as as memories it can't be I threw up three times at that show, you know, like that's not helpful. <laughs> what about I went out there and I, br- I was able to breathe. And in the event, I started to see that he and I were totally in sync and my gelding just got it. Like who gets to, who remembers that piece? It's so natural, a human thing to say this negative thing or that negative thing, or this is what happened at the show instead of, I got fifth out of 58. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I got fifth out of 58 or last time I was seventh and this time I moved up to fifth. So I did, I did better. I'm learning. And I think for me as an adult, I think about that too. Every time I ride to the herd is I'm learning. I'm going to make good cuts. And I mean, I, I tell myself those things and I am much easier on myself than I was on my husband when he started cutting. Right. And so that's, and I think back at that, I'm like, wow, I should have been so much nicer. I, I wish I had these conversations with you before being his support team. So I, I'm trying to be, be I'm trying to be a better spouse. It does help to have family members who have competed to understand that some of the comments actually resonate in your head for so much longer than others. Yeah. And that if we don't recognize that and do something about that, You can be and say you are all the support, but it doesn't always, your intention is great, but the perception received doesn't look the same. Yeah, absolutely. And Gina and I talked about that in one of our recent episodes when I started competing is that I feel like every parent and trainer should have to have a a license on how to respond to the um, exhibitor's emotions because everyone's so different. I mean, we all know as parents that every child has different triggers that make them succeed or do things in life. And, and every, for a trainer who might have, you know, six or seven exhibitors that day, they've got to not only worry, have that horse prepared, but understand how to deal with the emotions of the child and the dynamics with that child and their parent. Being a trainer is not just working with the horse. Not at all, is it? It is working with the entire barn family, understanding where the triggers are. You know, it used to be kind of funny when people would say, this person ties her shoes three times or before they go in the basketball game, or this person will only lope to the left because they won't go to the right because they that's just a part of their pattern before they walk into the arena. If you really think about it, how does that hurt anybody? Why do you have to have it your way when they get their rhythm, they calm down, they become one. If we keep trying to get someone, you know, the, the struggle we have in words turns to emotions, turns to beliefs. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to try to change somebody's belief at the nth hour, (laughs) right? Not so sure that's going to work for you. Yeah. So we want to help people understand ahead of time. If I love, I need my mom to be there because it does feel like a support. Then you've got to know if that's true or if you're just trying to please her and her being there actually adds all the anxiety. Right. Mom, watch me in the arena. Don't watch me in the warm up pen. You know, that kind of thing. Right. And so how do you, what advice do you give to, you know, a youth competitor that 
you know, their, their mom travels, hunt, you know, flies to meet them at the show. And then the first thing they do is get in a fight. Like, how do you coach that? Cause I think you've got to coach the parent and the child. Absolutely. And you have to understand the words that are being said, let's go with the intent behind it. Are you angry because I have the wrong ribbon in my bun and, you know, you've put the wrong makeup on? Or is it really, I'm so nervous because I'm afraid that I'm going to disappoint you? Mm -hmm. And if you get to know your child and the, fa and the parents that do know their children are able to say, this isn't about the bun, mm -hmm. take a breath, mm -hmm. the two of you will do well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Instead of, but this is what we bought and this is what it's going to look best. And you have to be able to show a certain way. Like that just immediately goes to more pressure, more pressure equals more stress, more stress usually equals what people consider negative emotions. And then it goes to thinking patterns. And if you had to say a parent, a child, a, a person out in the crowd, a family, a barn member person saying something versus you saying something to yourself, I will always sell, say self-talk can be the most damaging. Okay. Right. Because you believe it, you say it, and it becomes your intention. Yeah. I'm going to do horrible right. in this class. Yeah, you are. Because you have no faith in you or your partner. Yeah. And you're going in so anxious that you are no longer comfortable on their back and they are no longer comfortable with you being there. So for a youth that says that, or an adult that says that, what do you, how do you coach them? What do you say? Instead of saying, I'm going to do terrible in this class, what do you, how do you get them to focus, Terry? So I think it, it depends on the person. I mean, that's always the case because every person's different. I like to have kids or amateurs be able to kind of have their own mantra. What works for you? I'm at home. I can hear my favorite song. We're the only ones in the, in the arena. There's no one else there. Whatever it is that helps them say and stay focused on me and my partner. Okay. And being able to say, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks except you and your partner. If your partner loves you when you walk out of that arena, then you've done as the best you could do today and then the next day and then the next class. Because the truth is, if you let someone else, as my husband says, reside in your head for free, yes. then reside in your head for free. I like that. I wish I could get t-shirts made for that. <laughs> it's true. Because the fact is, if all you hear is that negativity, mm -hmm. then that's all you're going to put out in intention. Mm -hmm. If your answer is, if that's where you're at, don't show. And someone goes, Whoa, what do you mean? Okay, stop. Are you willing to give up before you ever give it a fighting chance? What can we do to give you a fighting chance? If you continue, and it can't start at the show. These conversations need to be, how many people with their trainer, had, here, do this pattern, and, and you screw up two big parts of it, and you go, I can't do this. Right then and there, it has to stop. Whoa. We can do that one part of the pattern mm -hmm. 22 and a half times mm -hmm. or 52 and a half times until you feel confident. Mm -hmm. But if you say you can't, you can't. Mm -hmm. And and you just have to get to the point where that's not an option. Mm -hmm. There may be things in the world you can't do. But while you're learning, you'll never know. Right, right. And I think that sometimes... Like, 
parents have the best intention, but when they're attacked by their child, then their instinct is to attack back. So now you've, you know, you've coached the child to be positive. When you do sessions with exhibitors, with competitors, do you do a session with the parent and the child? Do you have them come in together? What's the best way to approach that counseling? I, I always start with the individual themselves because their intent, their internal belief, their own self-talk has to be a certain thing. Then we talk about who's your support, who's your barriers, who's adds stress to you, even if they don't intend to, because most people have the best of intentions in this arena. Mm -hmm. Why would they be there if they didn't? Mm -hmm. Okay. But that doesn't mean it's how it feels. Mm -hmm. Kids naturally want their family members and their trainers to be proud of them. Oh, for sure. I want my trainer, like my husband, I know my husband is supportive, good or bad. I want my trainer to be proud of me. I want my trainer to be proud. So everybody represent them. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has somebody that they want to be to be proud of them. Absolutely. And so that adds additional stress. That is a self-inflicted stressor. Mm -hmm. So being able to say, does my trainer want me to win this class or does my trainer want me to do the best I can or we can? Yeah. And I feel that like from our support team, I feel like that, like they just want me to have a good run, a good pattern, a good run, whatever. So, and that's I a good that. trainer. Yeah. The trainers that are only about the buckles, then you better have the hundred thousand dollar horse and it better be on autopilot and all, then okay. But how can people who have the less cost animal mm-hmm. go out there and win against these animals that we know are our premier in our industry? They we can see do it all it the time. Heart. Exactly. We, yeah, we see it all the time. Oh my God, look at that bus. Look at that trailer. Look at that rig. Look at that saddle. <laughs> look at that bridle. Look at those clothes. Look at the jewelry. Oh my God, they're going to win every class. And those people have wrecks too. Yeah, everybody does. They still have self-talk and they still have support or lack of support and they still have pressures and those things all You've got to know the steps for you to accomplish what you want to. If you want to accomplish winning and that is your only goal, you're missing a lot of steps. Right. Right. And if you miss those steps, it becomes a mind over matter thing. Yeah. And you talked in the beginning too about the importance of making the memory. And again, is, is the memory the buckle or is the memory all the steps along the way to, to get to, that goal that you've set for yourself. And so Terry, do we need to set realistic goals for the, for the first show, for the season, for the career is setting goals important? Absolutely. Because your goal is against your own last run. Mm -hmm. Your goal is about how many people have said, okay, I'm in my very first walk trot class Mm -hmm. and now I'm going to go to a walk trot lope class. Okay. What's the goal? Some people's goal is just getting through (laughs) Mm -hmm. a clean run, Mm -hmm. a clean run with less errors, Mm -hmm. a clean run with less errors and some finesse, Mm -hmm. a clean run, less errors and being able to truly show Mm -hmm. and, and present in a way that you get the judge's eye. That is a process and a Mm step-by-step. You don't walk out after having 10 lessons and go out and win. Mm-hmm. That that's not a normal thing. 
in anything, whether it's your career, it's in baseball, tennis, golf, it doesn't matter what it is. Practice does make perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's your perfect, not perfect in the eyes of the whole world. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I see at the shows that I think adds a lot of pressure to an exhibitor is that the trainer uses the horse for an open horse and then the amateur youth are riding it and their events and the trainer will go out with perfect precision and nail the pleasure class, the cutting, whatever it might be. And then that non-pro comes out and gets on that horse and it's going to get a a different, that horse is going to respond different to that non-pro than it does to the trainer. And I feel like sometimes that's a hard thing to ask of a horse. And there's probably going to be some trainers mad at me for bringing that up. But that's a tough one right there. And I think as a trainer, you've got to be really sensitive to that with your student. I think it's really important. Are you comparing apples and oranges? You're not. Why can't a horse go out with a trainer who does this for a career, for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. some of them many, many, many years more than the amateur or the youth? Mm -hmm. And then the youth goes out there on what you now know is a very good animal, and we're teaching you to have cues for you to become partnership. We want you to learn how to become a partner. That shouldn't be compared to an open class. See, I think just the opposite. If I know that this animal's capable of it and I can see how good he can do or she can do as a mayor, I want to, then my goal is to look like that eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to look that way today. If your trainer says something like, well, he did it in the open. Why couldn't you get him in the, in the novice yeah. class? Like that's a problem. Then we've got to counsel the trainer. Then you've got to counsel everybody <laughs> yeah. because the pressure's coming from, I say to everyone, before you go into anything, what's your bucket of, I can control, I can't control. That is not in your control. Well, and that goes back to goal settings too. Like, what is your goal for this animal? Is your goal for this animal to be a champion open horse, a champion youth horse, or, I mean, just setting goals and expectations with that horse when you're going to compete in both categories, probably. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, And again, It's you and your partner against you and your partner. Not against a trainer who's been doing it for 35 years longer than you have. Like that's not even comparable. Right. But if someone's doing that in their head, then that's the conversations that need to be had before you get there. Who are you competing against? You're competing against the pattern. The pattern says you're going to have this many transitions. Did you get four transitions? Good, because there was four transitions. Mm -hmm. Did you hit them on the mark? Were you able to show it during that mark? Like, it's a step-by-step process. It's super important that we address the barriers for each individual person. Some people, it's the crowd. Some people, it's putting all the garb on and all of a sudden feeling like a foreigner in your own body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people, it's my, my animal feels different when they're not at home. Mm-hmm. And they probably feel different when they're not at home because you're stressed out. That's definitely a piece of it. But what if you're actually a showman? I'm not a showman. I'm great at home. Okay. But I don't love being in public. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I know my stressor starts there. If my animal, my husband's horse loves what she does. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
she's better there than she is at home. <laughs> she's kind of a butt at home. <laughs> but, you know, she loves what she does. So that's not her issue. You have two partners that have to sync. Mm-hmm. And constantly that's what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Is the horse that's the utmost professional, whether you're nervous or not, and they mm-hmm. can do it, that makes them a better partner. Mm-hmm. Not worth more money, not more pressure that you should win. It's just making you a better partner mm-hmm. so that you can focus on your part of the partnership. And keep positive experience. Keep it a positive experience. Like we're part of a really positive barn mm-hmm. and we've been a part of places that are not so positive. And as adults, we knew to get ourselves out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I mean, listening to you speak today, it's like you've got to find that right situation for yourself and your family and not everyone, no matter how shiny it looks at the gate, it might not be the perfect place for you, but there is another, there's an, try the next barn or trainer and find that right fit for you. Here's the thing. I've actually seen where the trainer and the parent were so in sync with their youth and they saw this youth continue to have problems. And what if once we dug What we found was another one of the barn family's parents were comparing her to their daughter. And that was getting in her head. It isn't always super obvious. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to dig and find out what are the true barriers for your youth, your amateur, your horse, your whatever's going on. It's a research study. Right. And once you find it, you have to address it because it's not going away. No. No, it's not. This is so <laughs> fascinating. What haven't we touched on, Terry, that we really need to touch on? I think it's super important to individualize looking at stress because what's stressful to an Olympian, what's stressful to somebody running for high point of the year, and it's toward the end of the year, mm-hmm. and somebody who's in a novice class for the second or first time are very different and still super important. So would like for people to be cautious about comparing stressors because a stress is a stress is a stress. It doesn't matter if it's stressful to me. That's what I'm responding to. And my response can be, like you said, a parent who then fights back or they recognize this isn't about what's going on in the moment and finds a way to be supportive. I want to be a mentor in our barn. I want to be a mentor. So when I'm talking to someone from our barn that is, you know, completely freaked out before the class and completely, as a, is it right for me to try to be a mentor and say the right things? Or can I say things that like, if I say, oh, you'll be just fine. Just think about like, does that mess up them more? Like, how should I respond to somebody like that? So what I normally say to people is it is very helpful to answer things like that with a question. When you say, I love this. When okay. you're going to say, oh, you're going to be fine. All you're doing is instilling them to go, no, I'm not. See, I'm telling myself that it's that internal self dialogue. That's negative. Being able to say, so if you really believe you're not going to do well, how's that going to work? How are you going to conquer that? Are you able to succeed beyond your own belief that you can't? And the answer is always no. I mean, so do I say, 
Did you try? I mean, you've trained at home. You've had good runs at home. Focus on. My question would be, what would make you think that you could actually have a shot? I love that. Okay. I love that. So, right. So what do you need? Yes. To feel successful today. I love that. And I hope that people that are listening take that. Like, I, I think I know how to respond now. I do know how to respond. Like, because people want to be nice and they don't want to get too far into it because they don't know what will be a worse, you know, set somebody off or make them feel worse. But being able to say, what do you need right now that would make you feel better? Yeah. Besides a beer, (laughs) ice cream, cream. Xanax. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the thing is, people do that and then they become less aware of their body sensations, their own trick, their own stuff. And they actually are less of a partner with their animal partner. That makes sense. So you, you tone down the emotion, but it doesn't mean the emotion is not still there underneath. You can't feel it. The horse still can. Right. So you haven't accomplished anything. Right. You felt better in the moment, yeah, but you haven't actually solved the problem. My answer always is go to how can I solve the problem? How can I solve the problem? I love it. So for me, with the young lady who's saying, I'm, I'm going to fail at this. Okay, what is failing? Failing is the judge kicking you out because you got DQ'd or is failing because I didn't get first? Again, acknowledge and recognize Okay. Once you figure out what failing is, then the answer is what's the preventative things? Okay. Let's look at how do you not fail at home? Where's the place you feel the most successful? What makes you feel successful there? Can we reinvent that here right now? How do we change that thinking pattern from I can't to I do my best? Right. And so many people let like the outside influences get in their head. Absolutely. Like who's there? Like maybe they left a barn and they're at a new barn. And so they're, Oh my God, that other trainer's here and I left them. And, and so they've got to, from what I'm hearing from you, they've got to find a way to get that out of their head, whether it's mm-hmm. music or preparedness. Mm-hmm. I ride at home with earphones. Makes my husband crazy. He does not understand it. He thinks, but I talk for a living. So I need the complete escape. Mm -hmm. My horse knows it. As soon as I put my earphones in, they just let go. It's awesome to watch. He thinks it's crazy. I don't care because it's my time. Right. Okay. I can't let, and this is a perfect example. I can't let that belief that I should do it a certain way doesn't make it my way. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I know I can't have that music when I go into a show ring. So how do I find that zen, that peace, that place of saying we're still partners? Some people, they count strides. Other people, they're looking three steps ahead. Some people are taught. When I show in a halter class, my husband and the trainer laugh because they say, you talk that horse to death. Because I talk (laughs) through the entire halter class. My horse, I don't have to carry candy things, lighters, anything to keep their ears up because I talk to my horse. We are a true partnership. If you don't have that or find that, and they can make fun of me all they want. Works for me. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't go anything. I didn't get DQ'd. Okay. Right. (laughs) Whatever it takes for you to have joy, to have your memory, and to do what feels good. Right. And so... And again, I, I want to take these three things away from this conversation today. And, and so first of all, like I, 
I love talking to you because I feel like I've just been through my own therapy session. <laughs> and so I'm going to be so prepared for the next time. But really the, the takeaway is recognize before you get there, recognize what triggers you and you, the exhibitor, recognize it and help your, and if you're an adult, help your trainer, help your spouse understand barn family, barn family help them understand what, what triggers you and acknowledge it. It, mm-hmm. it just is. It's not good or bad. It is. It's just you. That's just how you react to that, that situation. And, mm-hmm. and right. It's not good or bad. It's just mm-hmm. your emotions. So if you get stressed out, it's not bad. That's just you. So then prevent it. Yeah. Then what the, are the things that worked at home when you had a meltdown at home, when you were learning what worked? When you were preparing and you got in and did your dry one, as you called it, and something happened, what did you do? What things work when things go bad? Whether it's for a test at school, a presentation at work, a thing in your barn family. Yeah. You've got to have your own skills walking in that have more to do than when you get on an animal. They have to be pre-made a habit. Made a habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So recognize, acknowledge, preventative. What a great episode. I've really enjoyed this. Terry, how would someone get a hold of you if they wanted to work with you? So I have started 2D counseling. 2D um, counseling. Mm-hmm. I like Part it. of our 2D farms. Yep. And I'm at some of the bigger shows. Lots of people know my husband's in the field. And we are working on me being able to travel a little more with him. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that I live in Texas, Horse Country, USA. Right. So that helps a lot. And I am uh, uh, licensed to be able to do so in Florida and Texas. All right. Well, we'll make sure that we share your contact information on our um, HIP VIP page and on our Horse Regular Horse Industry podcast page. But I think that it is an absolute investment if you're competing at any level to have that conversation with Terry and just understand those three steps that we talk about. I I think that it is absolutely game changing and I'm so appreciative of you, Terry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We really enjoy it. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.